This is the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voiceless, a weekly podcast hosted by Chris Milson, a podcast to help break the stigma of mental health and to remind everyone that it is okay to be not okay, and to remind those that they are never alone. Please also note that Chris is not a psychologist or psychiatrist and is speaking from research and experiences. Trigger warning for those for the possible explicit content and language. What's up, Warriors, and welcome to another episode of the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voiceless. I am your host, Chris. And before we get today's session started, um, I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for your support these last couple of weeks, last couple of months. Um, this recording will come out in January, so I hope everybody had a safe uh, holiday season, um, had a lot of exciting things happen in November, which uh, we're recording on. Uh, I had a Men's Mental Health Month article um, post out, and uh, yeah, hopefully some more exciting things moving forward. So Today's guest um, is, uh, she's an author of her book, Resilience. She's a lifestyle recovery coach and a transformation specialist. Please help me welcome Jen Henry. Jen, how you doing? Hey, Chris. Good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Uh, I was really excited you reached out to me. Oh, for sure. Thanks for creating that space. I love it. Yeah, of course. And you, you said I'm number, what was it, number 39? Yeah, I, I believe it was 39 and I just booked 40. So I'm trying, I'm, I'm inching, but I'm trying to be a little bit more selective about right. how, like where I, I mean, I've told my story so many times in so many different ways. And, and, you know, of course my mission is to, you know, make an as big of an impact as I can, but woo, I really, you know, came to a screeching halt like today, actually, like this morning before um, I met with you and um, it's been interesting. Like, I'm so grateful I'm grateful for the work that I do, um, the introspective work that I do, the my ability to really, um, you know, direct my own path and and be connected to that. So yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, and you know, I, I can definitely relate on telling your story. Like too many times in such a short amount of time, it gets overwhelming, and it's like you want to make that impact, but it's like how many times do I got to repeat myself before it actually starts making that impact? I mean, I got the book right there behind me, you know what I mean? Cause I'm like, um, so I don't want to, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Like you're a couple years ago. And I was like, I want to go deeper. I want to go, you know, like heavier into this work. I want to start, I want to go back to school. I want to do certain things. And I want to like, not even really back to school, like the way people think when I say that, but like, I want to start my podcast again, get experts on and learn from them and ask the questions I want to ask and get information for these next books coming up and the way I can go deeper into, you know, the things that I want to share, the things I want to connect people to the tools, the resources, the practices, um, the evolution that we're really capable of. And like, I think when we, you know, when we do something too, like, I don't know, I was getting so in the beginning, like tired of saying the same thing over and over, right? Yeah, this is a system. Here's the system I do. Like, unless you want me to work with you one-on-one, -on -one, like I even have, I'm not even really doing group programs right now. I'm doing one-on-one -on -one in my mastermind because it's just one of those things where I gave, here's the information. If you're capable of taking this and doing it, please, for the love of God, go do it because this is what we need. Okay. If not here, I am, there's this place you can, I can hold your hand or read the book, walk through this with the book. Like the book is, I, I got the most amazing text today. I'm deciding to finally go and take care of myself during that time. I got a text from a reader who was involved in a book challenge. We're just, we just are in the process of wrapping up right now. And 
she said to me, I called her after because I had to excuse myself to the restroom in the middle of the gym sesh because I got this text in my stupid ass Reddit. And so like no emotional regulation at that point whatsoever. I was like so heart, so touched. And it was just like everything I've done up until this point in my life like that moment of alignment when like, you know, the, like, you know, you're exactly where you, where you're supposed to be when you're there. And, and I, she says, I don't, it's, I've only read the book. It's, I've been, it's been a month. Like I've read the book for a month or something. And I don't even feel like the same woman I was when I started reading it. Like, I feel like I'm completely shifted in like who I am and like the way I take action today. And I just thought, holy shit. Yes. Like, yes, yes, yes. Like, oh my God, it's fucking working. Oh my God. Okay. Jen, like buckle up, bitch. Because like, we're doing this, like this works. It works. You've had proof. You put the proof in the book. You keep getting more proof. There's 28 days worth of proof from content from people putting in their, their, what like impacted them each chapter. It's a really short book. It's small and you can read it in two and a half hours, but when you implement it, right, we're taking a month to implement it and give feedback and the feedback is like intense, like this deep critical work and this like parts work and this mirror work and this like reflection and this introspection and this like action taking and like the way it's like evolving into its own thing. I'm like, okay, I just have to like, remember that like, as I'm pouring out, I need to be like compensating for that. That is literally what I teach. That is what I, I, I help my clients embody and the understanding and belief that they, they need to fill their cup first. They need to take care of their body. Right protect their, their, their vessel. And, and because it's like, if we don't, we implode. And I was imploding. I was like not getting off the couch for three days, doing everything on the computer from the couch, like avoiding throwing the jeans on really quick to run out real quick and come back and taking the jeans right. off, putting the old pajamas on. Like that's where I was at. That's where I was at this morning. Like I cried to my coaching sisters and I fell into them and I, they supported me and loved me and, and, and told me, girl, this is cause you do your work, but this is you recognizing that you put in, you invest in yourself for the community to support you in doing this work, because look at what you're doing. Like, of course, you're going to have down moments. Like, of course, you're going to feel empty at times. And look at you recognizing it, like staying connected, having a, a healthy fear of the who you become when you disconnect and what happens and what happens to the people that you love and that the world around you, what happens to that? What do you, where do you fall into when all of a sudden you are claiming that you're depressed? Because I was fighting, quote unquote, I said, I'm fighting the depression off like every single day, but that's not true. It was there. <laughs> it was there completely surrounding me, holding me back. Um, weighing on me, making me doubt myself, making me remember that like, who do I think I am? Who do I think I am that I can do these things? Like be a best-selling author, speak on stages, get paid to pe for, for people to hear my story. Like what kind of impact do I really think I can make? And yet the numbers are like, you know, I mean like Jennifer, please girl, like, come on mama. Like you, you're okay. You know? And I think, you know, it was just such a beautiful experience to be able to step up for myself today and like go and, and, and move my body and, and eat clean foods and hydrate and like let off the soda and do the things that I know make me feel good. Cause when I do that, like my mind shifts, my energy shifts, I'm on a completely different like vibration and I'm able to show up for things like this. And for the podcast, or like that, I'm, I'm speaking at a Toastmasters meeting after this, you know, and like being able to just give back and, and, and hope that like, if someone like me, right. And we haven't even touched on it. Like I was a homeless IV meth addict. Um, I was in and out of mental hospitals before 18 at 18, finally got arrested. It I was in the program for like four years, AANA, all that. Right. And I had sponsors work the steps was, you know, of service, but I still had no idea who I was, what I needed. I had no, I felt I was powerless. And, and I went back out and 
Um, I ended up doing two prison terms for California State Correctional Facility in, in California Correctional Facilities. And when I got out the first time, I was worse than when I went in. Right. It didn't contribute to my wellness in any way, <laughs> any, any, in any sense of like making me feel like I didn't have to live that life, like that I could, could potentially live a different life. And when I got out the second time, I was determined to decide that for myself. I realized that like, right. I, I had the opportunity to have that awakening that we talk about and that some of us have the opportunity to experience where you like actually get the moment where you can connect to yourself and recognize like where you're actually at. And like, be honest with yourself about that and start to figure out what the fuck is actually for you versus what everybody thinks is for you. Because what everybody thought was for you isn't working. And what, what little you did maybe think isn't working. So mm -hmm. what now? Like, what do I ask? Who do I go to? And I kept looking for this God outside of myself, right? Which is wonderful. And I do believe that that exists. However, I also believe it, it exists inside me. And so when I can connect to that highest part of myself um, and, and really find out what she wants, yeah, like I tend to make really good decisions for myself. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, one of the, one of the hardest hitting things that you said there um, was when you finally reach that brick wall, right. And you just feel like how much more do I need to put out there before you start feeling like you're making a difference. I find myself hitting that brick wall often. I feel like just the journey of having this platform and having the group that I have and the podcast and everything else, sometimes it doesn't feel like I'm doing enough and I'll hit that brick wall head first and I'll just sit there staring at this wall for a solid week and just wonder what can I do different? How can I, how can I get more, uh, more hits on these podcasts? What can, what kind of content can I bring into the group? And nothing seems to be making a difference. And like you said, there are people that will tug you in different directions and try to tell you, this is what you should do. This is where you should go. This is where you should put your platform. And some of those things might work. Some of those things might not. Like the last thing that you said. And then you start realizing what's best for you, what's best for your inner self and what's best for your listeners and everything else. Because at the end of the day, People like you and I, we're just trying to make a difference any way we can, whether it's with your books, whether it's with your coaching sessions, whether it's with my podcast or the mental health group. And it, it's so hard to remind ourselves that we're doing this to change, even if it's just one life, like one life a day. You know, we're, we're doing that for that one person to just message you and say, hey, I just want you to know that that post you put out, that podcast you just posted or whatever it is made a difference in my life and that makes everything so worth it at the end of the day because we it's hard to remind ourselves that we're doing this for a really really good reason even on those days where you want to sit on the couch all day and just not move from that one spot and you know absolutely. we struggle getting out of bed and stuff too absolutely and what i've noticed is like i am at my best when i am following my non-negotiables like i made a list of non-negotiables and it's frequently um, been reinforced multiple times throughout the last 13 years. You know, I was released from prison in October of 2010. And I'm so grateful that I, even though I was on high control when I got out and I had to test every single week for almost 18 months, um, you know, I really, 
it's interesting, you know, because it's like, I almost made like, uh, like it was almost out of spite, right? It was because they all told me, oh, well, you know, these are the percentages. It's it, because this is, you know, the chances of you, I give you, I remember my therapist, my psychologist, whichever one was the one that was giving me meds. I haven't had meds since this. So I don't remember. And he, he, he told me that, yeah, he's like, honestly, he's like, I respect what you're doing, but is this because I wanted to get off my medication. I had just gone out of prison. I was in this rehab. They were trying to teach me, do all this cognitive and behavioral therapy and like get to know my feelings. And I'm like on all these meds, like I'm not feeling shit. Like the whole point of these is to help me disconnect because I don't like to feel I apparently was too much. I was too all over the place. I was too, you know, all these things. And I was bipolar. I was then a magnet depressive. And then I was diagnosed um, schizoaffective. Right. And so there's these different things that I was being these boxes, these different boxes I was being put into of this is how you fix this because this is what's wrong with you. And I thought, you know, I look back at that. I just kind of laugh, you know, there's so many different factors that had contributed to the way that I was and none of, and, and none of it mattered having it. What did the diagnosis matter? Right. Unless you're going to do something to help heal the problem. Like what is, where is that coming from? Why is this going on? And so it's interesting now, you know, studying functional medicine, studying functional nutrition, um, it, it's so interesting how it absolutely matters. It absolutely matters what we're ingesting. It absolutely matters what we're, putting, what we're putting in our body, whether we like it or not, we can make the conscious decision to not care. We can make the conscious decision to say like, I acknowledge that I'm going to feel like shit. I acknowledge I'm going to feel depression and symptoms. I acknowledge that I'm going to feel anxiety, but like, I don't get to complain about those things if I'm going to choose to eat like shit. Right. Right. I get to feel the anxiety and like, let it be there because I decided to eat like shit. And that's what happens if I eat too much sugar. Right. I know for a fact, I'm going to either have a headache the next day. I'm going to get some kind of like, you know, high, like high, like blood sugar spike or whatever. And I'm going to feel like shit. I'm going to get dizzy. If I don't eat, if I skip some meals and I'm, and I'm like not paying attention and I skip some meals, I'm going to drop and I'm going to get up. I'm going to feel dizzy. I'm not going to feel good. I'm going to be like, Oh, what's wrong with me? I know what's wrong with me, bitch. You didn't eat. Like, you know that you're not taking care of yourself. When was the last time you took a drink of water? And like, in all fairness, like that, for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty good at what I do as far as like how I take care of myself with my food. But I know also that like, when there's something I'm not feeling okay about, I'll go straight for the food to fill that gap and, and, or other things, social media, doom scrolling. Right. And so, you know, over the years, what I had realized was that, and this comes from this point, the medication that I was on was dumbing me down so much. And I mean, dumbing my nervous system down so much that I didn't know how to feel. I couldn't identify those feelings. And it had been years, decades now at this point, since I had had to identify a feeling, cause I just always cut them off. And when I did start to get off the meds, I was coming out of my skin. I was full on detoxing. And there was this old treadmill in the rec room of my rehab that I was at. And it was a six month inpatient program. I couldn't leave because I was still a ward of the state. And so I get on this stupid treadmill and it's old and it's squeaky and it stinks like cat piss. And, uh, and uh, it's making this horrible screeching noise. And I just, I, I just all in, instinctively knew I needed to move my body. I needed to get this crap energy out. I needed to somehow get my blood flowing, get my brain. I didn't know what I was doing. And now I understand what I was doing. Right. And I see, I read, and I've studied the benefits of fitness for mental health. I've read and studied and written about the benefits of nutrition for mental health. And, and I'm, I, and also 
like the practice of connection, the practice of mindfulness, the practice of introspection, right? Being able to acknowledge where we are right in this moment and be there and be okay just for a moment. It's like, just take one more second to just before you grab the thing, just stop for, hold on one second, a couple deep breaths, just real quick, right? Because we're so reactive because we're so disconnected. Right. And the only way to really make a shift in anybody's life is to stop being so reactive. Yeah. Agreed. And, and you know, it's a, uh, so one of the, one of the things that you said, uh, I really want to highlight um, about living in the moment. And I feel there it, just in society with, you know, social media, you know, you mentioned the doom scrolling. I, I think that's interesting because I think you're one of the first guests that I've had that has actually like openly talked about that being a thing because all oh, of us do it. Horrible. I, all of a sudden I look up, there's an hour and a half gone. I'm like, what the, right. how they were only eight seconds, 15 seconds, a minute, if that like, right. And I'm like, okay, no, 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 nope. Yeah. nope. And so when I catch myself doing it, because what will happen is I'll go to respond to something, right. Because it is my business. I do. That's how I network on social media sites. That's what I do. And um, on top of my email list, right. And my book and all the other things. Right. So it's a huge part of it, but like, I'll find myself wanting to not have to be emotionally connected to anything. And so I'll start these conversations, respond until I don't have to anymore, like finish the conversation out and then scroll. Right. Oh, that's nice. Oh, look at that puppy video. Oh, I would like, look at him like <laughs> shooting the horses or, you know what I mean? Like, right. the, like washing the dogs, like doing the lawn care videos, doing the um, power washing was one of my favorites for a minute. Now it's like watching Karen's get arrested. And I'm like, okay, so I stopped today, you know, and I made a list for myself and I was like, what are the things that I'm actually currently doing? Like, what are the things, what are the kind of shows I'm watching? What are the kind of things that I'm entertaining myself with? Like I got connected again real quick and it was like, yeah, I'm showing up in this area and I'm showing up in this area, but what about over here? Like my wheel is off. I'm out of balance. I am not okay right now. Obviously, like what is something, what is a small step for this area and this area, and maybe even this one tonight where I can like show up for myself in those areas. Cause I, I don't, I, I need to get this rolling a little smoother now because I'm not okay on this bumpy ass fucking ride. Like this isn't okay. Like I, I was struggling, Yeah. Uh, you know, I was struggling. And I mean, for, and it to be, if I'm honest, it's in long spurts. And so it's one of those things where, and by long, I mean, two, three days at a time where I just don't care. And, and it's when I'm not practicing what I preach a hundred percent. And I think it's only fair for all of us who are examples for us to be honest about the fact that we do struggle and that it's not, I mean, oh my gosh, like there's so many times when like I, the, my old self, like what an excuse I would have had. What a reason, because they did this, because that happened, right? Instead of, and so what, what is that? What am I making that mean about me? What is that giving me permission to do because someone else or something else, right? Just as I'm not powerful, power, just as I'm powerless over those things, like I am not powerless. And that's where I struggled. And I had, I appreciate the rooms of the anonymous programs and I identify hundred percent with CODA and on codependence anonymous. And I will, I, that's where I would consider myself, um, in recovery from as codependency, like in the last 13 years and, um, being able to actually learn how to say no without feeling guilty, because I know it's actually what's best for me. And if you don't like that, like, do you actually even give a fuck about me then? Like, okay, well, you've pretty made that pretty clear. I wish you best. I love you. And I'm so sorry that you feel that way. Um, you know, I hope you are friend, find friends that like love you the way you need to be loved because apparently I can't. Right. 
Bye. Right. Bye. You know, I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so it's like the more and more that I stepped into that, the more I was able to allow those that didn't align with me to fall away and like not feel guilt around that. And, and if they come around, I, I welcome them with open arms. Like I hold no grudges. Like there's some things I'm like, God damn, like, fuck. I'm like, well, I wouldn't do that to you. And that's, you know, one of the things where I got to start looking at, like, who am I being mm-hmm. to allow someone to treat me like that? You know what I mean? And so it's just been an interesting journey. You know, <laughs> I could ramble for sure. <laughs> so uh, you kind of grazed over it a little bit. And I kind of want to dive into that before we get to the any of the other parts of of any of the questions that I had. So you, you grazed over a little bit of your addiction and everything. Um, is your addiction is what led to the prison sentences? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, for sure. E- eventually, <laughs> I would say. I would say that, you know, it was my key to, to disconnect, right? right? Like that was my tool to disconnect. I, you know, everyone thinks the drug and alcohol is the problem, but it's like, no, that's the solution. The problem was that I didn't like to exist. <laughs> I didn't like, like being, and it was uncomfortable for me. And so that's what started like, okay, well, we pretty much did that. At least got it to where I was like chill and like, was like, whatever, like it wasn't as a big deal. Um, Cause everything was such a big deal to me. Right? Everything was, I was so freaking sensitive. And, and then it just kind of escalated. Like I hung out with people who knew how to escape and knew how to disconnect and they got good at it. I followed path and got good at it. And, you know, I didn't even graduate high school. I didn't go to college. I did get my cosmetology license during the time when I was first clean early on. And I'm grateful for that. I still do hair to this day. It is something, it is my, the way I express myself and it's art to me. And it's, I love, I still do it two days a week, but, um, you know, being able to do what I do now and having give literally like given up completely. I mean, I escalated from weed to Coke to ecstasy to acid and all, obviously they just kept adding on to each other. And then eventually at 16, I was introduced to meth and smoking meth made me go crazy. So I learned that slamming meth just got me really loaded and that worked for me and I turned into this person that like I still don't really understand but like I'm I've learned how to build a relationship with like what she was looking for and like how I can learn how like that part of me can like be fulfilled in this life because she was so like so scared so like suicide in the installment plan right like too scared to live too scared to kill myself like right like that part of me that was just like I don't want none I don't want none I don't care like what's the point of this there's no point to this why are we even doing this right? But did not have the balls to actually kill myself. So I, that's how I, I joked about it. It's not funny, but, you know, suicide on the installment plan. And that's, I think what the drugs were for me, because when it came down to it in the end, it wasn't about the meth. It was about the needle. It was about the escape. Right. And I learned that when I was still trying to find whatever was left in the needle, when I was in jail, I was in jail. I had brought my rig in with me. I'd brought drugs in with me and did them there and, um, and, and finished them there and came down there and, and had, that's where that moment happened, where I got to decide for myself, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Jen. And for the first time in my life, like I actually dissociated and saw myself, like took a good look at like me. And I looked dead. Like my, I was sunk in, I was like barely existing. Right. And 
I just, my heart broke for her, this girl. And I'm like, God, I mean, what in the world? And then that moment I was back in my body and I just, you know, I'm so grateful to realize that like, there are so many different parts of me that want different things in this life. And I don't have to succumb to the one that's the weakest. I don't have to succumb to the one that's most scared. I don't have to succumb to the, to the one that's in psychosis half the time. Right. It doesn't really know what's going on, but kind of flittering around, just kind of doing whatever. And I get to decide which part of myself, who I want to show up as I get to decide who I'm being. And like now you know, fast forward from it. Cause yeah, absolutely. I'm so grateful for the laws that were in place at the time that I was doing this because if not, I'd be dead. I have a client who was arrested for, who was arrested 14 times for heroin and drug charges and petty theft and things like that. And she never got a felony or went to prison. Wow. Wow. I mean, I would have been dead. I was doing everything I could to kill myself without actually putting in the, pulling the trigger. And I, I just can't imagine what's going on out there. I mean, I can, I know, I see, I witness, I work downtown in downtown Riverside, right on the corner corner of orange and university. That's the salon I work at. And I have to call on people banging their heads on the walls and pulling their pants down and trying to defecate in the middle of the street. And there's nothing the cops can do because of the laws that are in place right now. There is no mental health support. It used to be mandatory mental health support. Every single one of us got 5150 when we were acting like that. Yes, we got released back onto the streets, but it was at least like only if they had to, if they could keep you and try to like, right. And that part of the system I just wish that we could bring it back, but mold it to where it was actually like they're feeding them clean food, not processed bullshit. They're not just trying to shove meds down their throat. They're actually getting them off everything, everything. I, and I, I really, giving I really them an active lifestyle. Yeah. And then, and then introducing maybe something, if there's something they need for support behind that, but they're in a safe facility to experiment with that because that's what science is. Right. And like, that's what my life was. And I had to do it all by myself because I didn't have that for myself. I had to figure it out myself. And so that's where it's like, if this book can have any kind of weight around it, it's it's the in- reintegration system for mental health care and what that looks like and mandatory mental health care and what that looks like. And where's the funding for this? Because uh, there's the zombies walking around on the streets and there's we're, there were, we were feral. I was feral. I was the girl that was pissed. Her pants were pissed, messed, her dirty hair, hadn't showered in weeks, if not months, like right. hadn't eaten in weeks, if not months, bites at something here and there and didn't sleep was completely out of her mind, talking to things that weren't there, people that weren't there, you know, walking in the middle of the cars, like all the things. Like that was who I was at that point in my life. Right. And being able to sit here and have a conversation about that with you on this podcast, doing what I do now, like I just- Mind blowing. It's there's, and there's a solution. Yeah. There's a program. Right here, here's the book, right? Like, of course there's experts and things that need to actually come in trauma therapy and different practices and things like that, because those are things that are a must. Of course, there's grief, trauma, all these different things, these different, when we're getting, shifting through these different identities and belief systems, like shit comes up, right? And it's scary and it's hard. And some people do maybe use medication to get through these times when we're dealing with this hard thing. But the idea is to not necessarily need it forever. The idea is to use something as a tool, not a crutch, right? A tool to get through something. And then we wean off and we feel those feelings as they come and we deal and we find different practices that work for us. Now, it's just one of those things where it's, I think what comes up for me, when you say we struggle, right? It's hard because we struggle. We feel like we have this this ceiling. Um, 
or this wall. And it's because sometimes it, you feel a little hopeless, like with the way they handled the last three years, you know, and what they said was important versus what was actually important. And the way that they had such an opportunity to really teach people about anti-inflammatory lifestyle and what that looked like and, and what it was to actually care for yourself, because that's what was important with this, with this situation that we just all experienced together. And, you know, I feel like sometimes that's the wall. I feel like sometimes there's this, this other knowing from another side that's arguing this point around mental health and nutrition and active lifestyle and what it actually looks like to care for self and to like get to the root of problems and like heal body trauma and like the things that are actually, you're seeing incredible results from, um, but there's no money in other than service work. Right. And so it's interesting. And, and the medication to, part too, that's where a lot of the money's going to. It's a big pharma. Exactly. exactly. And I'm dancing. I'm trying to dance around that yeah. because I try to be really careful about just pinning it on moneymakers, but that's what it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's unfortunate. And so what happens is that where the money is, they have the voice you know, like people vote with their dollar every single day. And so I'm really starting to pay attention to that. Like, what am I contributing to? Like, like, uh, you know, it's like, it's funny. We all want to complain about the president, but yet we don't know who our local con our local constituents are. And, and, and so it's interesting. Um, you know, we, we tend to look outside of the issue instead yeah. of being able and, to sit know, and be present with it. I feel like one of the things that feeds that too is social media on both sides of the political fence feed that too because it's like it's easier to point fingers at other people than it is to you know point fingers at the people that are actually responsible for the problems that are going on um and it's not even about pointing fingers it's like i get so tired of hearing like all about all these problems i'm like okay that's wonderful and as a citizen what are you doing to contribute like so what are your contributions other than like being a keyboard warrior like i'd really like to know like what you're contributing to society like how are you using your voice in a way that is like able to be heard like who are you sharing this with like are you are you what actions are you taking towards making a difference in what it is that you're looking to see or experience right and oh, mm-hmm Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. So let's just like, you know, and that's, that's, that's where I, I'm so grateful to, like I said, be doing the work that I do and not, yeah. and not just sharing it with other people, but being a product of it because today it really paid off because yeah. I don't know how I'd be showing up here if I didn't get up and get my ass out of the house and go to the gym and actually lift some heavy weights. Like right. that's the thing. Like I walk my dogs every day. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about basic movement. That's a, that's a for sure, like standard but like the goal is to get to the gym three, at least three to five times a week, right? And do good resistance training, heavy weights, different things. And I, man, I've been out of it. I've been out of the game. I've been doing these podcasts like two, three days sometimes and like multiple times throughout the week. And like, it's taken so much out of me to be able to like share this over and over and over. And so I feel like today was a much different, way different content finally, Yeah. Um... <laughs> you know? Because I there's, had this moment. There's two things um, in your in your response to, you know, your journey into, you know, fighting through addiction and, and prison things. One of the biggest things I really want to highlight is your comment about suicide, of how, how you were saying, you know, you didn't have the mindset to, to pull the trigger metaphorically, right? You didn't want to call it quits. And this is how I feel on the suicide conversation because I hear this phrase of people who commit suicide are cowards, right? And 
I've heard the argument on both sides of why somebody could be a coward, why somebody's not a coward. I think it is one of the hardest things in the world to take your life when you're at the end all be all of, of everything that's going on. You just want everything to cease to stop pulling that trigger or however you do it isn't the easiest solution in the world. I don't care how, how many people say that it is. It's not at all. And for somebody who's had as heavy of a story as you have to say that you were on the installment plan of suicide, you just didn't go through with it. I think is one of the most powerful ways I've ever heard somebody talk about suicide because I feel so many people dance around the conversation of suicide. It's like, Oh, it exists, but we're not going to talk about it. It's like, Oh, you read a news article. Somebody takes their life. That's sad. We move on to the next story. You know what I mean? People like you and I, and, and so many other advocates in this community can hold those spaces and have those conversations. Conversations like this need to happen because obviously we see the suicide numbers, the, the overdosing numbers skyrocketing. And it's because we can't have that conversation of, of it actually going on. And like you said, um, the second comment I wanted to bring up was the medication part that you brought up of how you know, they just want to treat a symptom and not the cause of what you're feeling, not the root of all of your problems. They just want to say, oh, here's some medicine and send you on your way instead of just like, we're going to put you on a six month plan. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to start you at this dosage, but we're also going to make you go through this program that's, you know, talk about your problems, talk about a way to heal yourself. And then we'll get you off the medication instead of just putting medication down somebody's throat. And sending them on their way. Because like you said, the, the drug problem is really bad. And the fact that police officers can't even do anything anymore is horrible. And is. where do you where are you from? Florida. Florida, that's right. How is it there as far as like homeless and so and um, like obvious drug use? It's it's been increasing. The homeless problem I've definitely noticed it's increasing a lot. Um definitely not as bad as other cities like new york and you know just any of the bigger cities but it's definitely starting to increasingly become noticeable where they're sitting in target parking lots and stuff um but again it's where we're in that spot in the economy and just everything where all our resources and money is not going to where it should and like 100%. you said it's the mental health resources are just almost non-existent and it, it sucks to see so many people suffer, whether it's veterans, whether it's men, whether it's women, children, you know, whatever. Um, when I read the statistics on the uh, CDC website of uh, the number two cause of death for kids 10 to 17 is suicide. suicide. Made me sick. Yeah. And no one's teaching them like what matters in life anymore. Everything's just like, I don't figure do it have to decide if you even if you don't have even if you are born with that you can decide it you were wrong they were wrong they were wrong and this is what you want instead like yeah. oh, what happened to oh fuck it was what you got figure it out kid right right like what like in all aspects Ugh. you're off and then all this stuff everybody's offended yeah. everybody's offended like by oh everything. my god by like, everything what? If you, it's, it's a reflection. If you're seeing something, it's a reflection. Like, where did that saying go? Like, did we just get away with that? It just only mattered for a certain generation. Like if you're seeing something in someone else that pisses you off, like maybe you need to take a look at what the, why you're triggered by that. 
And like, I understand. Yeah. Absolute disrespect. Like I'm going to be triggered by absolute disrespect. If someone absolutely disrespects me, like I will remove myself from this. I will, I will probably have something to say, but I then will then remove myself from the situation without escalating it because, um, I've, I've been to prison and today it's not worth it to go back to prison for me. It's not, there are certain things sometimes I like say I'm joking, but I'm not joking. There are certain things that I probably would go back to prison for like willingly because certain things that I stand for are certain people that I love, you know, but today, like 99.99% of the things like that are occurring in my daily life, I get to have emo emotional regulation around. And I don't, I don't allow someone else like the book, the four agreements. That's what just came up for me. The book, the four agreements, um, Don Miguel Ruiz, tell me I'm right or wrong. Um, I read that book over and over and over in prison over and over. And then I've read it and I've recommended it to all of my clients. It's, I sometimes I'll put it in the kits when I, when clients, VIP clients sign with me or private clients sign with me, they get like this gift. And, um, I, I always include that as one, because it's one of those things where it's like, don't take things personal. Yeah. Literally says it like, that's one of the rules I live by now. Don't take things personal. It's hard oh. not to, right? Like everything's my fault. Like everything's your like, right. It's like, like, it's hard not to take something personal. Right. Um, when someone says something like if someone calls me a bitch, if someone calls me crazy, if someone calls whatever, whatever, right. I don't need to react to it. I don't need to own that. Like I get to decide who I am and who I am showing up as other. And if I'm not like, and if I'm allowing them to turn me into somebody, I don't want to be, that's on, that's still on me. That's still on me. And I'm still the one who of, is going to be. Yeah. Um, that kind of leads me to, um, something that we, you and I talked about, uh, our last meeting before we got, you know, scheduled the podcast and everything was accountability. Um, <laughs> I really want to know your, your thoughts on if you think society has an accountability problem and why do you think that is if, if so? Oh my gosh, absolutely. It's our responsibility to make sure everyone else's feelings aren't hurt. I mean, like, what the heck is this? Like, I mean, yes and no. Like, I mean, if you're waking up every morning and you're absolutely freaking miserable, like there's something that you, like there is, I guarantee you, there is some way that you can start to like do something that brings you joy, do something, find some gratitude, like start to be grateful for something. I promise you it's not everybody else's fault. Right. I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise. Like, you can remove yourself from any situation you don't like if you live in America, right? Like for the most part, unless you're in prison, even in prison, I was allowed to move, remove myself from a situation I didn't really want to be a part of most of the time. Not right. when it came to COs, but when it came to, you know, the population. And right. I really, other than bunkies, that was like the worst. Like I will say, like I learned appreciation for who I choose to live with based off of some of the bunkies that I had, but like that's right. <laughs> another story for another podcast. Um, but I think that that's it. I think a bunch of people need prison time. I think a bunch of people need to learn what it is to not have, how to go without, how to be okay without some, somebody handing you your way. And when somebody tells you it doesn't matter what you say right now, cause right. I don't care. You right. don't matter to me. You don't pay my bills. Right. I could give two shits what you think about me. Right. And unless you're paying my bills, which it's a privilege for me to allow you to do that. If that's something that you want to do, because honestly, like, I don't know, like, the only people that do that for me are my parents or my man, you know what I mean? Like, and, but I take pride in paying for my own and making right. my own way and in the investments that I've made in myself over the years. And, and like, that's something that I, I take pride in. So 
I'm literally saying all that. Like, I don't care what you think. Like, I don't care what you think. Like, yes, absolutely. Like I am doing what I'm doing to make an impact. I want my voice to be heard. The reason I wrote the book is to carry some weight so I can go talk shit to some of these like council members, like some, some stuff that's going on. Right. Like I'm allowed to have felonies and be in the Senate. I heard. So, I mean, the more I speak, the more I get connected, like I can connect to what, like, I really am going to be able to right? The more I network, the more I am meeting and making these different connections with others. Like the more I'm realizing like, okay, like this really is working. This really is needed. Like this is something that I could probably put something together. You know, this is something that this is a movement. I'm starting a movement. And so yeah. I'm grateful for that. Um, You had mentioned um, that you struggled with a sickness. I think it was the eating disorder that you, that you mentioned when we, uh, when we spoke, uh, spoke last Oh, um, so orthorexia though, like it's not one you really hear about often. Um, it was, you know, when I got out and I was doing the fitness thing, like um, I got into fitness to feel better, right? I yeah. got into fitness to mentally be okay, to be okay in my own skin. I never really was paying attention to what my body looked like. It was just whatever it looked like was because of the, what I, whatever lifestyle I was living. And <clears throat> fast forward seven years, I'm still out. I'm still doing well. I still have, but my accountability, talk about accountability. It is, it was so like down to the calorie, down to the weight, like down to the, the pound I was lifting, uh, the reps I was doing, the, you know, meals I was eating, the number of meals, the number of macros, number of protein, fat, carbs, sugars, fibers. Like I knew everything. I plugged everything in, wouldn't eat anything without weighing it. Right. And like, unless I knew the macro count, I mean, I was competing for those seven years and I did probably 15 shows and I walked around at 7% body fat, super freaking lean and was like constantly pinching my skin to see if I gained any body fat, like constantly comparing myself to these other women who were using drugs that I didn't want to use, you know, because I was like, I had tried a couple of things one time and I was like, I'm it's too, that's, I'm, what is the point of that for me? Like, that is the opposite of what I'm doing. And that's when it really started to dawn on me. Like, what am I doing? Like I, that was one of the points where I was in my recovery, so to speak, right. Practic and practicing this lifestyle recovery where I was, you know, working out and taking care of myself and eating super clean, like didn't, but I was obsessive. And so I had to really pay attention. Like this is where the program really started for me, where I started working with clients around this lifestyle recovery program, this freedom framework, this, this work that I do, because it was like, I was missing the accountability around that balance, wheel of balance, right? That, that different, those different pieces, my health, my career. Yes. My education. Yes. My relationships. Yes. My social life. Yes. Like, but also like my joy and my, my fulfillment and like my happiness, like, where is that coming from? Like, what do I source that from? Like knowing that and feeding that and, and really, and like recognizing like, okay, so obviously this isn't what I want. Like, I can't be a completely obsessed. And I went through, of course, one of those low moments where I was super depressed for months, put on like 40 pounds, you know, really like started eating everything in sight, like, and then not eating for days at a time, because I just, that was the way my, I flowed. And, um, you know, and then I came across this six month coaching program, um, from the health coach Institute. And I, I took, I, I did that program and I, and I dove head first in, and I'm so grateful that I did. And I met some amazing people and, um, really built a skill set around exactly what I wanted to be working on my 
you know, I'd stopped personal training my clients because I realized I had been turning them into myself. I realized that they were trying to get towards this certain body. They were trying to eat that certain weighed food. And, and I thought like, I really want to be able to pay attention to who my clients are, want my clients to be able to pay attention to who they're being the other 23 hours of the day when they're not with me at the gym, when I'm, when they're not trying to show up for me. Right. And and that's what started. And I realized like, okay, so this is really about recognizing like what we're doing and, and where we're at right now in these different areas. And like, we're like, and being honest with ourselves about it and then being able to then from that place, like decide, okay, well, this over here isn't doing well. What do I want instead? Like this piece isn't what I want. So what do I want instead? And then from there, I can start to see like where in my life I'm out of balance around that support or what I need to start setting boundaries around and saying yes or no to right? And then being honest with myself about whether or not those are my yeses or my noes. You know what I mean? Is that really what I want? Or am I doing it because I think those are the things I should be saying yes and no to. And then really finding a way to be accountable to that. So it's not just about being, and it's not just about who you're being accountable to. It's about like who you're actually being accountable, who you're being, right? right. Being accountable to who you're being, who you're showing up as, what your tone of voice is, regardless of whether somebody else's right what how you the energy that you're showing up in even if you had a bad day at work and putting that on somebody else right because you had a bad day at work or because you didn't get enough sleep last night and so that's this other person's responsibility to carry that bad energy with you like no thank you that is so i try to be mindful of that like it is not somebody else's responsibility to carry this negative energy and have me put that on them so instead why don't i try and rise up to their energy like what would that hurt Right. Instead of bringing them down to mine, what if I matched them instead? Yeah. Not being fake, not pushing it away and making it not mean anything, just say, letting something else hold more weight, like the joy of connecting with someone else and leaning into them or being able to just match their energy. And so there's different ways to like, you know, to, to, to recognize who you're, you know, what, like, and like, right. We know, you know what, does it make sense what I'm talking about? Like that moment when you're like, I don't just, I don't care. She's being, she's being, she doesn't, she should just like, you know, it's, I was tired or I was short or I hadn't eaten. And that was the reason why I was a dick. Like, okay, no, you should have like, you know what I mean? Like it's one thing to like bark at someone and then, but not to be like, oh shit, sorry, my bad. Like I heard how that came out, which I do that. Right. I absolutely definitely bark still. Right. And then I'm like, and then I get the look. And I'm like, oh my God, my bad. Sorry. I, I, right. And I rise up and I raise my vibration. Like that's not my, it's not his responsibility to take that yeah. from me. You right. know I mean? And I mean like to have to, to endure that from yeah. me. Um, you, know? you had kind of grazed over uh, rehab a little bit. Um, rehab was in prison, right? Rehab was after prison. So I oh, did exactly. 17 and a half months in CIW. Yeah. And then I was did directly escorted to a six- six month. What's up? Uh, did rehab help you at all? Cause I've heard different oh, rehab. Definitely. It was yeah. definitely because I was able to like be in a situation. And I think, I think, um, transitional living before uh, or after, you know, after prison or after mental hospitals or after rehabs, um, even because from rehab, then a lot of people go to sober living. Right. But like, I would say that the residential facility for me was like the sober living because I was ready to go and work immediately mm -hmm. after having had my cosmetology license still. And uh, I was able to really have a safe space 
where there were people who, even if I didn't necessarily, like there were certain things that didn't quite apply to me, I was able to grab onto the few things that did and start to really ask myself the questions about what I needed and, and to see like, okay, this person is doing this and this is how they're acting, or this is how they're handling their shit, or this is how they're, you know what I mean? And I was able to see these examples of how these other women were starting to like reintegrate with their families and different things and hear what they wanted and how they were like the different ideas and possibilities about what my life could like look like because everyone was in the same situation of having to start over and like, what could that look like for me? And like I said, I had to get really connected to where I was first before I could look at what I was even possible, cap capable of, because, you know, it's, your perception is so skewed. Your perspective is so skewed when you've had a certain experience, maybe a certain type of childhood for so long that that's what you believe is true about you. There's certain, certain safety valves you've got that you switched on and like you completely forgot we're even there. And that's just autopilot now. That's just how you are. But what if that didn't need to be there anymore? What yeah. if we could turn that valve off and being able to look and recognize those things is so important. And uh, did you, or have you uh, attended NA meetings before? Like, have you ever attended those meetings? Oh yeah. I was in meetings. I was in meetings a couple times, three times, four or five times a week for four years. Was that and, like, uh, required, or that was just self choice? No, that was self choice. I was done with the requirements when I was going. Um, I did have a boyfriend, and so that's what I showed up for and who I showed up for. But uh, you know, I did have sponsors. I did work the steps multiple times. I went all the way through, um, probably three times. I think we were starting the fourth time when everything went to shit. My boyfriend relapsed. I was able to survive that. Was still doing my thing, being of service, doing everything I was told. And the problem with that for me, right? This is where I look back, and we always hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And I'm I'm so grateful for the few women that I did. I have like I have a good couple handfuls of women. Uh, and some men in the program that like I made great connections with and that I'm like, I, I do drink still. I do smoke weed sometimes still like those are still things I do. And I am in recovery and that's not something I can really say in those rooms. And so there is no ill will towards, like, I'm grateful that they have that place that they can do that. And that's what they need for themselves. And I just, I am in a place where for me, I'm in recovery from disconnection. And that's what lifestyle recovery is for me is the ability to connect, the ability to be present and live this life and choose this life moment by moment. If I have to sometimes, yeah, sometimes I check out for sure, you know, and if you want to call that a relapse or whatever you want to call it sweet, but we don't start our time over in this family. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not like that. Like we've made a decision and we support each other through that. And I think that that's something that, you know, it, a lot of my women are in recovery. They have 20 years, 30 years of recovery, but they knew that there was something missing still. Right. Um, they knew that they needed more. They needed, you know, to under to learn how to live an actual clean lifestyle and like what it looked like to listen to themselves and how to say no and to stop being of service for a little freaking bit, right? To do some shit for yourself to be of self service. Like this is self serve, bitches. Like like just for a minute. Like it's okay to like make yourself the priority, especially. I mean, you got 20, 30 years. You've been giving back for decades, bitch. Come on, like 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 it's okay to decide what you want to do and to say no to these people, even if they're gonna be upset and sad let them be like what if you didn't have anything else to do and you didn't have to make an excuse and you just told them i'm sorry i'm just not going to be able to make it i wish you guys the best like i uh, count me in for next you know ask me like let's talk about it again next year or at the next event or whatever but what if what if like your life what if your life depended on you like recognizing that you're burnout overwhelmed and working two jobs doing all these different things asking doing showing up everywhere everyone's been asking you to show up what if you showed up for yourself this time yeah. And that is the most common one in any of my nurses, teachers, stay-at-home moms, or like, um, really they're more, um, 
empty nesters, I would say, like women who have like done the thing, raised the kids, and then they've lost themselves along the way, being this wife and this mother and being able to really remember or step into who you are. Right. Uh, it's such a gift. That's such a gift. I'm grateful to be able to give. And like I told, I said, and mentioned it earlier, that text I got, man, like I'm still reeling from it. I'm like, she's like, I'm going to go, I, you know, I, you and my therapist and this and that. And like, you're, you know, I'm going to go back to, I'm going, I'm signing for my master's. I'm, you know, sending in my applications and, and I'm going to the gym three to five times a week. This is a woman who <coughs> would not go if I didn't hold her hand and go with her She's going on her own three to five times a week. She's doing the damn thing. And she tells me it's because of the fact that, and she's like calling me, writing me, texting me to thank me for writing the book, to thank her for being the example. Well, I'm over here bad mouthing myself in pajamas, crying all morning because I'm a piece of shit. Right? Like it just goes to show that our perspective is everything. And like when we can step back and play the what if game up and like positively, instead of what if, like, what if the world falls apart tomorrow? Well, what if... What if like everybody's automatically healed tomorrow? What if you woke up tomorrow and everybody was just happy? What if you woke up tomorrow and everybody was just okay? Like everything was good and level and balanced and in harmony. What if like everything just kind of ebbed and flowed? Like what, what, what would that be like? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a uh, it's an interesting thing perspective. Yeah. And you know, I was, uh, I was going through a little rough patch a couple of months ago, um, just kind of hitting that wall and just felt defeated. Cause I felt like the podcast wasn't growing at the pace that I wanted it to. And I was just like, I feel like I'm doing really good content and I'm in 15 countries and it just doesn't feel like it's growing any more than it has. Like, I'm just like, I was stalling. Right. So I decided to get some ocean therapy. You know, we went out to a, a dock and watched the sunset go down. And uh, there was this guy to our left. He kept looking back at me like a couple times and I didn't know why I thought it was weird. He's like, okay, maybe he's like listening in a conversation or something. I didn't pay no mind to it. So when the sun started going down, uh, you know, we were walking back to the car and he looks at me and we, we kind of like lock eyes because I, I noticed that he was like kept turning his head and looking at me and I didn't know why. And he just he says my last name. He's like, Nilsson. I'm like, Copeland, I haven't seen this dude in 15 years. Like we went to middle school together and I, I said, you know, this is the weirdest place I've ever run into anybody. And uh, I said, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, you know, just looking for some clarity and, and, you know, just trying to have a clear mind. Cause uh, I'm going through a really rough time right now. I'm like, Oh man, I hope, uh, hope everything, you know, gets better for you. And uh, he's like, I just wanted to uh, tell you that you're doing really great things with the podcast. This is a guy I haven't talked to in 15 years, haven't seen him, nothing. And he knows that my podcast was freaking mind blowing because it's, it's making its rounds. You know, there's, there's people that tell me they they take notes during my podcast, like, um, and yeah, it's all about perspective. You were hundred percent right because it's like all it takes is that one message, that one conversation with somebody to tell you how much you're doing and to tell you that all the hard work and accountability that you're holding for yourself means something. You're doing so freaking much. So I appreciate everything that you do, even if we don't directly contact each other every single day. You ha you have quite the story and quite the following. And just to be able to write a book that changes people, people's lives, I think speaks volumes to your character, especially coming from your story. So I appreciate you. 
Well, I absolutely appreciate the work you're doing as well. And, you know, you're creating a space that people can come and feel safe and feel free to, you know, talk about things and maybe feel, uh, you know, maybe be able to hear something that they identify with, or maybe a way to shift how they're identifying or what they might believe is true. Like, what if it's different than you think it is? What if, what if it's just because you believe that, that that's what you're experiencing, right? And sometimes we just need to hear someone say something like, according to whom? Right. right. Like that was one of quite a few of my clients' favorite question. Like I just would have to stop them. I'm like, hold on, wait, according to whom? Like you're explaining this to me as if this is like something that you came up with. And this really doesn't sound like it contributes to what you're wanting to be experiencing. Yeah. So according to whom? And she's like, I don't care. Like, honestly, like take my money. Like you, this is where this is like our first or second session. I mean, it was our second session and she had a whole year to go. We were one-on-one for a year. And, uh, She's like, okay, well, that was worth it. I'm all, you know, because the, the awakening in that moment when you really have those, when you hear that thing that you've needed to hear, right? And they say, you know, if there's a book that you want to read and you can't find it, it's your job to write it. Like that's literally, that's, you have to write it. And that's what I felt like I needed to do. So, um, you know, I think that, I think that when we get those confirmations, like we are always going to find evidence of what we believe Absolutely. because we have to, like, it's just the thing that like our it's the way it works, right? If we believe something to be true, it's because, and we will find evidence of it. And now sometimes that's because we're not looking for evidence of the opposite. Right. Sometimes it's because the sky is blue, you know, but sometimes the sky is purple. And sometimes you have to like have your, sometimes that is a perspective situation, right? Sometimes, you know, it's, 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 Yes, it's black and white sometimes. Absolutely. But I just have realized lately, you know, and I say in that in the last few years, just how many beautiful shades of gray there are and where it can shift and where I can bend and where I don't have to be so rigid. And it doesn't have to be so black and white, good or bad, right or wrong. And um, I think that that's kind of what it comes down to is like, I get to shift my identity and what I, what, how I identify and show up in this world um, as it suits me. Yeah. And according to, to me. And to add to that, um, I feel in this line of work, in this, you know, being advocacy, um, we're always learning from each other. We're always teaching each other stuff, right? Um, before my brother passed away, um, he had reached out to me one day, uh, just a random phone call. And uh, he's like, hey, man, I really wanted to ask you this because I know the word triggered is kind of just one of those haha words on the internet you know people will say oh you're triggered we make fun of you kind of thing but what is a trigger i don't understand what a trigger is and we had like an hour-long conversation about it he's like i never thought of a trigger to genuinely affect somebody i said man going through what i went through with my mom and some of the things she said to me there's little pieces of a conversation that i can hear from somebody that i hear her voice and that might sound sound batshit crazy but like it's it's all of that you know the the little p the little p in the ptsd it's always that little voice that's always waiting to just like hit you in the most vulnerable spots and it's up to you that you can either take triggers head on or you can protect yourself from ever getting those triggers to ever you know take your out well, at least limiting it for right. sure limiting yeah. it right absolutely take yourself oh, out yeah. of the environment that you know is going to trigger you so I remember because uh, he was really big into going into church and he would constantly tell people of, you know, me creating the group and the difference that I was I was making with the podcast. Uh, he passed away right before the podcast. So that was just when 
uh, that idea was being tossed around, but he was going to have me speak uh, at his church about um, mental health stuff. And, you know, we would talk almost every day about it. And he was like one of my biggest cheerleaders. And when I started the podcast, it was mainly because he pushed so hard. He believed in me so much to do it that anytime I have a conversation, regardless of the guest, regardless of the background, I, I want to hear everybody's perspective on every conversation of mental health. Because when we talk about mental health, there's a wide range of what mental health looks like. You know, mental health is health. It can be physical. It can be mental. It can be so many different things. And you have to put it all together because I feel like in a society of fast information, we're so used to separating health and mental health that we forget it's all one big topic, you know? And that's what um, one of uh, one of my guests, my last recording, actually, she was saying that. She's like, I wish people would put health and mental health in the same conversation because, you know, you can have a broken leg and still take care of yourself, still, you know, work out in different ways. And you can take care of yourself mentally in different ways. And they both contribute to each other. Because if you have bad physical health, you're going to have bad mental health too. And, Absolutely. you know, it's it's so hard in, in the day of social media now to to separate the two because it's always, you know, thousands talking about this conversation and thousands more talking about that conversation it's there's no middle ground anymore no absolutely not and it's become so extreme that now I there's certain gyms I don't even want to walk into because it's they've completely disconnected from the whole point of the gym like it's not a social media place it is an action taking place it is yes okay fine set your little camera up somewhere like out of the way so that it doesn't bother people and don't give and please don't care if they walk in front of it because this is a gym Right. You didn't book a time to do a photo shoot with the gym owner or to like do that thing. So you're not owned, you're not owed that space. This is a, you know, public gym. And so anyway, it's one of those things where um, I just had to, instead of getting upset as I obviously can around those things, right. This is they, there's a, like, it, it, I realized that that's what that has turned into. So I get to a little place where I feel comfortable, where I can show up in sweats and like nasty washed, unwashed hair. Cause what's the point of washing my hair? If I'm going to go to the gym and not feel like I'm going to be like the subject of a meme in the back of a video from someone's real, right? Like, like that was a real thing. And it's like, while I don't mind being videotaped, it's the way that things are twisted and like the way people get laughs out of everything. And, and like, have I ever been a victim of that? No, but I've watched it and scrolled past it because I, you know, Joey Swole has showed it to us. You know what I mean? So it's interesting that, you know, you know, I probably scrolled off, but the truth is, is it's, you know, fitness has become something that you know, I almost resented there for a while. And so it's taken me a while to get back into the swing of things where I, I, cause I know what it does for mental health, but it's not just the fitness, it's the nutrition. And I think that that's the needs to be a bigger conversation because I don't think it's a loud enough conversation. I think that people aren't realizing that what you eat freaking matters and not just what you eat, but the way you eat, the way you show up to a meal. If it's mindless, your body's not going to digest it properly. You're not going to absorb the stuff properly. You're not going to get, you know, and like, it's starvation mode is a real thing. And when your brain is constantly like seeking, seeking, right. Never getting sustained. Right. Even if your gut is sustained, your brain's not sustained. So you go for something else and go for something else. Cause we're not being present connecting to the fact that we're eating. And then when we are, we're not even paying attention to the fact to what we're really eating. And so it's, you know, a double whammy there. And and I think that that conversation needs to get a little louder. So yeah, yeah, I agree with her. Your last guest around, you know, health is, is mental health. Mental health is health. 
right? And um, we can't just numb it up and 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 get, throw a bunch of meds at it and expect that to fix the and reason that we're not something okay. that I feel is is really important to highlight uh, on that gym conversation too. People not wanting to become a meme, and you know, while it sounds funny to say, um, I'm glad I was in school before the day of the internet. I got tortured in gym because I, I've always been a a bigger guy. You know, I, I'm a very big boned, a bigger guy. You know, it's just it's in my family, and I, I've tried my best, and I struggle. Um, like most Americans do, just getting in the gym and holding ourselves accountable and not eating like shit. Um, I will forever remember this girl. Her name is April. Um, when I got on the treadmill, we were in sixth grade, and it was sixth grade. You know, th- nobody should be an asshole to somebody in sixth grade. Oh, they're the um, fucking worst. Walk. She walked by me, and I was on the treadmill, and I and I said to my coach because. Again, and this is coming from somebody who didn't have parents who would validate or acknowledge any kind of progress I would make, right? Said to my gym, like, hey, uh, Mr. Whatever the hell his name was. I said, I just did like a a mile and a half and I was really proud of myself or whatever. April walks by and she's like, yeah, you're going to need more than that fat ass. And I'll never for as long as I live forget that because it's always stuck in the back of my mind. It's like, all right. Well, yeah. And guess what? You are going to it's going it, to, and there needs to be some work around there. There unfortunately becomes need for there to be work around the way that you now identify. And like, why in the world would you want to go and make an effort again? Because what's the point? No one's going to support you who matter. And uh, the, the people who matter won't support you, aren't supporting you. And the people that don't matter are talking shit. Why the fuck would I expose myself to that? Right. And so like, I would definitely invite you to go back to that six-year-old boy since it was so clear in your mind. And I bet you, I bet you, and I invite everyone else out there that's listening that to do this. And this is called inner child work, right? And it's dangerous to do if you're, you know, super, if it's a super traumatic experience, but if it's something that's keeping you from doing something. So, so in that sense, let me finish my thought. If it's super traumatic, make sure to work to find a trauma professional, a trauma therapist, someone who works around that to safely guide you through this experience. But something that we do, you know, those of us that do this work ourselves and, and whatnot, create that scene, go back, sit down, create a safe space for yourself in a place where you absolutely feel safe. You're not worried about interruption. You're not worried about, you know, anything. And you can go there and, and sit down, go introduce yourself, sit down, you know, let them know, like sit, cheer them on, cheer that, that six-year-old sixth grade version of yourself on. And like, you know, say something, you know, to him, to let him know that like, you're absolutely worth it, right? Like this is absolutely worth it. And it's okay that you don't have the support over here. And it's okay that, you know, she's going to talk shit, but you're the one who gets to show up for yourself and you're absolutely worth showing up for yourself. And I'm going to be here with you through that. Like this version of me is going to hold your hand and we're going to do this together. And now that sixth sixth grade version of you is like not so scared about going to the gym and hesitant and like making these excuses in the back of your head of reasons why it's not safe. It's not safe. This is the reason why we shouldn't go. And this is the reason why we shouldn't go. We're not going to actually bring it up to your conscious conscience because it's like, okay, then you'll, you know, right. Like then you can deal with it and then I won't be keeping us safe anymore. Right. But like when you actually are able to go there and like hold the hand of that version of yourself that is scared and like, say, it's going to be okay. And I'm, we're going to do this together. It's like, all of a sudden you're not in it alone anymore. And it is safer to move forward and take that action and, and to do that for yourself. And you start to, to find the evidence of why it's okay. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and that works, that goes for so many different things, you know? 
Yeah. And, you know, um, my, my therapist, whenever I first, uh, whenever I first started doing sessions with her and, you know, just when I started laying the groundwork of, you know, just what I wanted to, you know, make my goals in, in terms of healing. Um, one of the most important lessons that she has forever given me is honoring your inner child. So super appreciate the, uh, vision that you gave me on what we're going to do after this recording because i think i'm going to do a little drawing of that and uh, i'm going to send it to you after because um it's so important to revisit like traumatic events like that because in order to move forward we need to acknowledge the things that held us back at some point in our life and at some point my mom was the reason that held me back from doing a lot of the things and i cut her off my dad held me back from speaking out as a man because he grew up in the generation of men that don't talk about their feelings, don't talk about their successes in anything that, that they got going on for themselves because we rub dirt in it. We're men. We're supposed to be protectors and not show any sense of vulnerability. Meanwhile, we have guys my age and his age that are taking their life because of that mentality. So if I can acknowledge that and I can acknowledge the things that are wrong with the system that are wrong with society's mentality and breaking that generational cycle, I can be that voice, which I have been and, and make sure that this is a conversation people like you and I can openly have. And, you know, it, wherever this podcast goes, whether it's out of the country and some guy listens to it or out of the country and some woman hears, uh, here's your words, you know, it's, accountability, acknowledging the things that you have done wrong or the things that um, has held you back from anything you wanted to accomplish in your life. Because at the end of the day, the common word here is accountability. And that's something I think you and I 100% agree on that society, just accountability is missing from so many lives. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. This has been great. What a great conversation. I, you know, I just, I will say I could feel uh, some stuff coming up when you were talking about maybe doing this picture and stuff. So I absolutely invite you to send it to me. I absolutely also um, will reconnect around that. I hate that I have a call right after this, like, but um, you know, if you need support around this, um, just something that I would maybe invite you to do to keep it a little safer is that, you know, before you remove yourself from the situation with that version of yourself, if you do this practice, um, you know, let stop, like get him to finish and stop the treadmill, hand him some water and a towel and then send him and, you know, and congratulate him. And this is just the beginning and then send him off to do something that he loves, you know, and so that he's not just left, you know, and so you don't just, so send him off doing something that he would enjoy to do or that he has fun doing. Um, and then, and then, you know, come back to, yeah. uh, this, but yeah, it's definitely, you know, there's a lot of different ways to, to, there's a lot of different ways to connect to what we're experiencing now. So then we can shift it to what we want if to experience instead. Like if it's not feeling good, if it doesn't feel good, if I feel like shit, what kind of action can I take to remove myself from this experience? And um, I think that that's such an important takeaway. Definitely. Um, so really quick uh, before we uh, wrap this up, one thing, you if you could change one thing in the mental health community, what would that be? Mandatory mental health. Yes, I like it. Um, 
So at the end of every podcast, uh, I'd like to read a quote that I found uh, based on our conversation. And I found one based on lifestyle that I think uh, you'll appreciate. Um, This one is from William Ulcer, and it reads, we are here to add what we can to life, not to get what we can from life. Oh, I love that. You'll have to (laughs) screenshot that and send it to me too. Definitely going to. Yeah, um, for sure. This is awesome, Chris. Thanks for having me on, bud. Thank you so much for for being on the podcast. And uh, to our, all our listeners, thank you again for your support. Um, until next time, be well. And as always, be gentle with yourselves, guys. Take care.